0: Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Study Verse by Verse, Pastor Leighton Sheely is continuing in the book of James, talking specifically about wisdom. He's in the third chapter, and in the 17th verse, James writes, "...but the wisdom from above is first pure."
1: That concept is found in the Old Testament in connection with the character of God, that God is always pure. His ways are pure. His Word is pure. And a person who is marked by purity partakes of the character of God.
0: You're listening to an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno featuring the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. If you'd like to follow along, uh, I encourage you to turn to the third chapter down around the 13th verse. We're on the web at Highlands.us. That's Highlands.us.
1: The Lord hates one who sows discord or division among Christian brothers and sisters. It is an abomination to Him. Sowing dissension in a church is not trivial. God hates it. Selfish ambition is to, the, the desire not to live for God, but to live for ourselves and our own agenda. And sometimes in that pursuit, we can lose sense of balance and proportion, become fanatics, and be filled with bitterness as people stand up and oppose us as we're trying to accomplish our personal agenda. Which is why James says, do not boast. To boast is to praise oneself, especially in comparison with someone else. And then he continues, he says, and be false to the truth. And so his logic is this. True wisdom is associated with humility. This is the truth. So to boast about wisdom when you're actually filled with jealousy and selfish ambition is a contradiction of terms. It cannot be true. Such a person does not have wisdom from above. Going into verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Now, although he uses the word wisdom in verse 14, it's obvious that he's not talking about genuine wisdom. And so here and in the verses that follow, he begins a descriptive contrast. Some, he lists some, some characteristics of these two kinds of wisdom, that false wisdom is marked by envy and selfish ambition. And, and the product of this in a church is disorder and every evil practice within the Christian community. Now, he lists these three adjectives in a, in a form of a crescendo. There's, there's a gradual increase in the intensity of each. He's, he starts out with uh, describing it as earthly, earthly. And, and the Apostle Paul uses the same adjective to describe one who thinks only of the things of this world. The, the, the Someone who does things based only upon earthbound motives. And then the next descriptive is that it's unspiritual. And the Apostle Paul uses the same word to describe the natural man, the person who is alive, but they're not alive spiritually. They are unresponsive to the Spirit of God. Remember, when we, we come to faith in God, that God puts His Spirit within us, we become responsive to God. So it's somebody who is not saved. That's where the graduation uh, it takes place. Because in the first descriptive, any of us, even Christians, at times are earthly. We do things, we make decisions based on simply our priorities in this world. But the second descriptive, describes somebody who's not even a Christian, somebody who's not even a believer. He's talking about church leaders who were not saved. And then he goes on and says, finally, such wisdom is demonic. It's the opposite and in contrary to and in conflict with the divine. It can be thought of as either demon-like or demon-inspired. It's demonic in origin. It's not from God. It's from the devil. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. The wisdom from below is rooted in envy and selfish ambition. It, has, it, it, it accomplishes nothing in contributing to the strength of the Christian church, but rather it only brings about disorder and every evil practice. The word translated disorder is the same word used in chapter 1 where it describes an unstable Double-minded person, the word unstable. Now, in this case, the subject is not an individual but the Christian community. So what it's describing is a Christian community that's filled with confusion and disturbance, disarray, tumult, even rebellion and anarchy. There is chaos in the church. And it's also filled with every vile practice. That's, That's a broad definition. Anything that's ungodly is going on. Everything that's ungodly is going on. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So previously he's described a list of characteristics that describe ungodly leadership and wisdom that's from below. And now he's going to describe characteristics of godly leadership and wisdom from above. And these qualities are seen in the life of Christ. They are described in 1 Corinthians 13 uh, in the chapter that defines love. They are similar to Paul's list of the spiritual gifts. And we'll note that they're related to the Beatitudes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he says that that godly leadership is first pure the word there is hognos. It comes from the same root as hagios, which is translated holy. And, and the word hognos contains the idea of being free from contamination and defilement. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that without purity or sanctification, no one will see the Lord. First pure. That concept is found in the Old Testament in connection with the character of God, that God is always pure. His ways are pure. His word is pure. And a person who is marked by purity partakes of the character of God, that God's Holy Spirit is transforming us. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, he comes to live within us and he's transforming us a little each day, more and more into the image of or the likeness of Christ who is God incarnate. God wants us to be like him pure. And it's listed first because it's the most important. It provides the foundation for everything that follows. Notice, f- first pure, then peaceable. Notice the words first and then then. This identifies a list of priorities. First comes purity. Then, if possible, comes peace. That purity must be secured even if it requires the expense of peace. That purity must never be sacrificed for the sake of peace. Peace. And this is of particular importance because James is dealing with dissension in the church here. And it reflects one of the Beatitudes where Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. And so truly godly leadership doesn't promote conflict because of their selfishness but rather produces peace because of their humility. And that word peace, what it's referring to is A right relationship. A right relation. Peace comes when we have a right relationship between us and God. Peace comes when we have a right relationship with others. And true wisdom produces right relationship. It brings people closer together and it brings us closer to God. And then another description of godly leadership is gentle. Gentle. And a gentle person is very patient, enduring abuse, mistreatment, persecution, knowing that, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Another one of the Beatitudes of Christ Jesus. Uh, in First Timothy 3, uh, Paul, the apostle, used it to describe an ideal behavior of church uh, leaders. and the, And the person who is gentle knows when it's, actually wrong to apply the letter of the law. He knows how to forgive when strict justice uh, is is, is perfectly a right thing to do. But he knows how to make allowances. He knows how to temper justice with mercy. And he always remembers that there's greater things in life than just rules and regulations. It's applicable to the first audience 2,000 years ago. It's just as applicable to us today. Why? Because there are so many churches across the United States and across the world that are led by ungodly leaders. And then godly leadership is described as being open to reason or reasonable. Now, that doesn't mean somebody... It doesn't describe somebody who's easily swayed, but it it describes someone who is constantly thinking and observing and watching. And when they recognize the truth, they are teachable. They are teachable instead of argumentative. They are looking for the truth and ready to receive it when it it comes. And then they're described as being full of mercy. And again, we hear ringing in our ears one of the Beatitudes of Jesus, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Someone who is full of mercy is not only willing to forgive others who have done them wrong, but actually want to reach out and meet their needs, even under such circumstances, Um, like the Good Samaritan. In fact, for the Christian, it means that even even for the person who has gotten themselves in trouble, that their trouble is the result of their own actions, that we still need to be merciful towards them. And when Christians and church leaders are unmerciful, it's indicative that they have never truly experienced the mercy of God. They have not experienced the mercy of God. Because when we experience the mercy of God, we just overflow with joy and mercy comes out of us. So if they have not experienced the mercy of God and claim a relationship with God, then that relationship with God they claim cannot be based on God's grace and mercy. It must be based on some other criteria that they've imagined in their hearts and their minds. Like, I am so valuable. God, you are so lucky. I am on your team. Christians and church leaders that are merciful are merciful because they've experienced the mercy of God, which results in acts of kindness and good fruits.
0: Well, we need to end it right there and pick up tomorrow at about that same spot as we wrap up this particular message in this series on the book of James. From Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, this is a broadcast outreach called Study Verse by Verse, a daily visit. And if you'd like to know more about us, go to the website studyversebyverse.com. Past broadcasts can be downloaded there and listened to again or for the first time. That's Study versebyverse.com. Details about the church are on the web at highlands.us. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Trout. Come back tomorrow if you can when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of James and study verse by verse.